On today's episode of the Corey Andrews Podcast, Brad and Norm are back as we preview the NBA bubble in Orlando. Before that, though, we're going to give you our picks for this year's awards and break down how exactly this bubble is going to work. Uh, just a quick note, this was recorded before we found out everything about what Lou Williams did. So <laughs> we laughed about a lot, but this will not be in this pod. Sorry. Before we talk all things NBA, the Corey Andrews podcast is always brought to you by my Twitch. If you'd like to see more highlights and updates regarding my streaming, please follow my streaming Twitter account at Corcacola1. I will now post when I go live there every day, as well as include the best highlights from our streams throughout the week. Friday nights, don't forget our weekly six-hour Overwatch marathon starting around 6 p.m. Eastern Time. As sports continue to come back, I will also be doing live commentary and analysis for sports events and news. We continue to set new records for followers and live viewers this week, including over 14,000 minutes watched over the last month. You guys are just awesome. Thank you again. I look forward to seeing you watch me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Corcacola1. That's twitch.tv slash C-O-R-K-A-C-O-L-A-1. And I look forward to seeing you on my next stream. Without further ado, let's preview the bubble. All right, guys. Well, we previewed baseball coming back last week. So if you didn't catch up on either pod, we did one pod for the National League and one pod for the American League uh, with my old buddy Antonio. Feel free to check those out now while baseball is just starting. But basketball is already underway. At least the scrimmages are. And we are going to start previewing the NBA bubble and who we thought our ultimate award winners are. And I needed some familiar faces here. So... Back again for the third time. It's Norm Yako. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. And for the second time, it's sad Knicks fan, Brad Kaufman. Thank you for inviting me back. I enjoyed, had a lot of fun last time. Looking forward to this. Listen, the pod we did was the most listened to of all of mine so far. And I think it generated a lot of controversy. So <laughs> I feel like the only way we can make it worse is to do another thing that will generate a lot of controversy. <laughs> so we're, we're going to start yeah. with a busy award season. And, you know, it's weird. Normally you go through all these awards and there's a lock for every single one. We can pretty much pick out who's going to win that award by now. But there's really only one award I think is a lock. Everything else is pretty wide open at this point. Two or three that I think are locks um at least two i think that are that are true locks um we'll, we'll get to that whenever they, they come up but uh yeah, yeah i mean it, it's just been such a weird season that i mean you could say a few players are locks but like there's always, always gonna be those few players that stand in your mind or like oh like these guys are always gonna be in contention for the mvp award or for defensive player of the year you know stuff like that but um yeah no i definitely feel like we can Say go to many directions, specifically with this topic in general. Yeah, and I think part of that is is you look and a lot of times these awards it comes down to things like narratives and things like that. And whenever you have a, a season that gets shortened like that, those narratives really don't have a chance to build themselves out like they would in normal year. I was gonna say I listened to uh, Bill Simmons's pod today with uh, cousin Sal and House, and they were talking about the narrative that LeBron was building right before the season got suspended. And if you had checked those odds of him at MVP, 
they had gone from, I believe, somewhere in like the 20 to 1 range, like two weeks before the season was suspended, to 4 to 1. Just people try to talk themselves into LeBron because Giannis was such a far and away favorite. And now you can check it and LeBron's back at 10 to 1. His odds are dipping again it's because the narrative's gone. It's been too long. So, you know, and the MVP especially is such a narrative award. And we've noticed it in multiple sports the last five years, especially. And we might as well just jump right into it. Uh, so we'll go right into the uh, MVP. This is probably the biggest lock that you could view of all the awards. If you look on DraftKings right now, uh, Giannis is a minus 5,000 favorite. <laughs> uh, LeBron's, wow. LeBron's 10 to 1. Uh, Anthony Davis, Luka Doncic, James Harden are 100 to 1. Uh, Nikola Jokic, Damian Lillard, 150 to 1. And then you have Kawhi Leonard and Russell Westbrook at 250 to 1. Uh, so guys, I don't know who you have as your MVP. We're not doing it for the bets. That's a different pot of mine, but who do you just think <laughs> is going to win an MVP? Um, I know we were just talking about it a little bit, uh, prior to the start of this, uh, podcast, but, uh, I mean, I feel like you can put Giannis there, um, but you do have to make an argument for LeBron. Uh, he's been the best player in the world for how long, and he's still going pretty strong at what, 36 years old. Um, yeah, Giannis is going to probably be the MVP this year because, like you said to me before, that Kawhi, I mean, um, Giannis has improved in every aspect of his game, which is actually ridiculous to hear because he's already a force to, you know, to start with. And, you know, him beating on my Knicks every single time, <laughs> it gets tired after a while. So, yeah, no, Giannis is definitely my MVP for this messed up season. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think this is o- almost as obvious as it gets. This isn't my my absolute lock of uh, you know, for for picking a- an award, but it, it's right up there. It's probably the the second biggest lock. Uh, LeBron, like I said, it's it's a little bit too little, too late as as he came in there strong at the end of the year. But the other thing is, is that I think uh, the thing with LeBron is he has Anthony Davis there that's taking some of that thing. When when you look at James Harden, there were stretches this year where Russell Westbrook really took over that team. When you look at the Bucks, it's Giannis. There's no there's there really isn't that secondary guy that you can look at and say, oh well, you know this guy's doing some of this stuff. Uh, one guy a little bit off the board that I would sort of throw out there is uh, Pascal Siakam from Toronto. You look, coming into the year, you thought, oh, they lost Kawhi. This team's going nowhere. And he really did keep that team afloat whenever a lot of people had them as, you know, someone that were really going to take a big step back. Yeah, and I'll get to some Raptors stuff later with these awards because they had a lot of injuries this year. I think a lot of people anticipated a big drop-off, and they've actually improved year over year, which is just insane. Uh, But... Yeah, I like Siakam. I like a lot of parts of that Raptor team. But uh, just to rattle off some stuff about Giannis real quick, uh, he was the best offensive real plus-minus player. You can look these up on ESPN. It's an analytic. Um, He was sixth in defensive real plus-minus, first in total, first in their wins, uh, obviously on the best team in the league. Uh, He's averaging 30, 14 rebounds and six assists, which is up from last year when he had 28, 13, and six. And his shooting has gone up, too. I mean, his three-point percentage went up from 26 to 31%. So now he's actually, like, passable. You know, he's not an actual minus from three-point range. So, I mean, and again, he's 
what, 24, 25 years old. I mean, <laughs> he's as old as Brad and I. So it, it's yeah. the sky's, sky's the limit. It, yeah. He's nuts. It's insane for he's gonna be he's gonna be in the MVP talks probably for the next five years. So it, this is honestly just gonna be a con, a continuing conversation almost for the most part. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is is are the voters gonna end up getting Giannis fatigue coming down the line, S- similar to the way that LeBron and and Jordan throughout their careers had to deal with. Especially yeah, LeBron, absolutely. Derrick Rose. Uh, all right, I think that one's pretty set in stone at this point. So we'll move on to another, maybe it's a lock, maybe it's a controversy, depending on how you put this. So uh, rookie of the year this year, uh, there's really only two choices because this rookie class is pretty dreadful this year, to say it lightly. So Ja Morant's yeah. the player who's actually stayed healthy. He's a minus 10,000 favorite <laughs> for this because he's played every game and the Grizzlies are the eighth seed in the West right now. Uh, averaging 18, seven assists, and four rebounds. Uh, and again, he has single-handedly led a very young Grizzly team that, if you look at it, doesn't really have a lot of great parts. Valanciunas has had a good year, but nothing really else jumps out at you. Or at 14-1, to 1, you can go in the Zion direction, but he's only played in 19 <laughs> games before these seeding games in Orlando. So, Norm, who do you have as your rookie of the year? Well... Like I said, this is my biggest lock of the of the entire oh. slate, and I'm going with John Morant. I'm sorry, 19 games just isn't enough. Uh, had we gotten the end of this, the normal end of the season, and Zion gotten to maybe 40 games or so, we're having a much different conversation. But I think the the disparity in games played is just too much for Zion to overcome, and that's why I got to go with Ja here. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with Norm. Definitely John Moran is a lock. He's been healthy, explosive. He's improved that team tremendously. Um, I do believe Zion is going to do the same exact thing. Uh, well, yeah, in the next few games coming up, of course, but next year. And it's kind of it's kind of sucky to actually talk about because it's that what-if type of situation. Like, what kind of season would have Zion had if he actually stayed healthy these last, you know, like, like there's no coronavirus the last four months and he stayed healthy with that knee injury he had. So it's very interesting what his stats actually would have been and how good the Pelicans could have been, you know. And not to turn this into a true like baseball sounding pod here real quick, but Zion coming into the bubble, uh, talk about best shape of your life season. Uh, I think we've seen a lot of that coming into the bubble, uh, similar to the preseason baseball talk we have every year. But uh, Zion... Zion looked trimmed down. Probably he, I, I mean, it looked like he had lost at least 10, 10, 15 pounds. So it would, it's going to be exciting to see what he does in these seeding games. And I think the biggest thing this reminds us of is correct me if I'm wrong, but it was the 15 or 16 rookie of the year with Embiid where right away Embiid is the best player out of him, Sharich and Brogdon, but he had only played 30 games. And every debate on every sports show is, is that worthy enough of the rookie of the year vote when he's only played 30 games, no matter how impactful he was. And it turns out a lot of the media probably, and uh, the voters had an anti-Philly bias because of the process. So they picked Brogdon, even though Sarge played most of the games. But Well, you can actually argue uh, the few years ago with Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons. You know, you can definitely go back to that conversation because like, oh, ben, was Ben Simmons a rookie? Like they go, they always keep saying that. So like, are they gonna mm. include Z- like, like yeah, like Zion's a rookie. He's gonna be playing what 
25 games in the regular season? Like, does that count as a rookie season, really? You know, to, or, or are they going to save it for next year? I don't think they can do that, but... Uh, I mean, well, they're not. So, But yeah, this compares to, like, like what Blake, Gri- Blake Griffin did, because he missed his rookie year, and he won... Or, and he won the Rookie of the Year award the following year over John Wall when he was the number one pick. So that's like the biggest – that's more like what you're saying with Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons. That's yeah. a totally different argument. This one is just – once you play, like you step on the court, like your rookie year starts. So it's not like yeah, it's going to carry sure. over for next yeah. year. But, I mean, okay. Okay. We, we can agree Zion is probably the better player. He averaged 24 and 7, <laughs> and he shot 46% for three, which is just stupid. <laughs> In 19 games yeah. when everyone thought he was a subpar shooter. But, yeah, it's not enough. If Embiid's, like, 30, 33 wasn't enough, then 19's not going to cut it. Uh, yeah, like I said, I, I think it would have been a really interesting conversation had Zion been able to play the rest of the year and get, gotten to even, say, 40 games, 41 yeah. games, where it would have been half the season. But but just the way it is, unfortunately, I think, I, I think Jaws, you know, it, it's almost a lock. Yeah, I think the most Zion could have gotten to is around the 36 area. So that comes into like a real gray area where it's like, uh, all right, now you're going to start those conversations again. And then it's like, well, if you're going to give it to Zion for 36, then Embiid should have gotten it for 33 or whatever he played. But yeah, that one's going to be interesting. I agree. I think Jaw's going to get it just for, and you know, he was the best player on a playoff team. Now, Zion, I, I think, is going to lead the Pelicans to beat the Grizzlies for that playoff seed, but who knows? That was my pick a couple weeks ago, but we'll see. All right, now we get into some real gray area here, and (laughs) we'll start with Defensive Player of the Year. And unlikely favorite, Giannis is the favorite at minus 500, which we can understand. There's a few uh, bucks in here that do deserve it. Uh, Anthony Davis at plus 350. Uh, then we have uh, Rudy Gobert at plus 2,500. And then you have a whole bunch of people at 100 to 1, including Pat Bev, Embiid, Kawhi, Marcus Smart, Ben Simmons, Brooke Lopez, Drew Holiday. And then further down, you have Robert Covington, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler at 150 to 1. But this one was kind of up in the air, and I have an unlikely pick, but I want to see where you two lead. So, Brad, who's your pick for Defensive Player of the Year? Um... I am gonna go with Giannis. Uh, I feel, and I, I'm mad that I have to go with him, but like he's just been so unbelievable this year that I don't like. You could you could kind of make an argument, but like like you said even before we were talking about he's the MVP case, but he improved on his numbers from last year when he was the MVP. So I don't know. And he what was he Defensive Player of the Year also? Like no, he was not. I'm, no, he wasn't. Okay, but like I mean, honestly, if he doesn't win MVP then I think it's a lock that it's a defensive player of the year. You know what I mean? But also I want to see how the rest of the season plays out. Cause, and you also have to give a shout out to Kawhi because he's always good defensively, you know? Um, you Well, really, you just got to give a shout out to all the, the main defensive guys. Rudy Gobert, you know, he's another one. Insane shot blocker. But then again, I still think Giannis is the lock. I would put, you know, the 500 minus 500. Like, I would put money on that. So, I'll just tell you right now, uh, Rudy Gobert's won this the last two years. And Kawhi yeah, won it two years before. So, yeah. It, that's it, why you, it, well, that's why you have to say him. 
Yeah, it, it's the names you would expect that have won this award. Norm, who do you have? I, I actually, I, I have the three-peat. I'm going with I, Rudy Gobert. I, not only does he do what he does, blocking shots and, and things like that, just altering opponent shots and teams drive less against the Jazz than they do against other teams. I mean, you look as a, you know, the, the Rockets and Jazz tend to meet up in the first round of the playoffs, it seems like, every year. So I've, I've seen a lot of these games, and you see what he does and the way that the Rockets have to completely change the way they play almost to go up against a team with him in the middle. You don't see as much of the rolling action, uh, you know, well, in past years from, from Clint Capella. Um, it's a lot more of, you know, that pick and pop. It's a lot more of... You know, James Harden going ISO and trying to find someone in a corner. It's really weird actions that you don't normally see. And that's really the unintended impact of what someone like Rudy Gobert really does. Uh, my, my second choice, though, was um, Ben Simmons. I think uh, so much attention is put onto the fact that he doesn't shoot, that people just forget to look and say, all right, what does he do really well? And defensively, there is nothing... There are no bad aspects in his game. He's guarding opponent point guards at six foot ten. The length that he has makes it just difficult for anyone that is coming up against him. I think you could actually argue that Ben Simmons is probably the most versatile defender in the league. Like I 100% agree with that because at six ten, it's it it, it like the, the way he moves and the body control. It it's it's tough to do that. Six foot ten, you know I'm. I'm five foot nine and I have tough with my own body control in midair. Like, and these guys are, they're insane. They're, they're flying through the air. These guys have like 40 inch verticals. They, it's, it's unbelievable. Like you could make a case for Ben Simmons. And I'd say actually Joel Embiid, depending on how many games they play and staying injury free. You know? Yeah. Um, I'm going to agree with Norm here and go for the three Pete because I hinted this during our last pod. If you remember, I had picked Gobert to go to Philly in that pod. You did. I do and, remember. <laughs> and so my argument might sound pretty similar, but I have stat actual numbers to back this one up. So he is first in defensive real plus minus. Uh, sixth in blocks, off year for him. Yeah, He only averaged two a game, poor guy. Uh, third in defensive rebounding. He was one of only three players in the league to average 10 defensive rebounds a game, which is nuts. Uh, he only allows opponents to shoot 40% from the field which is more than seven points lower than any or the average NBA player. <clears throat> and the amazing ones were within six feet, players of the basket, players only shoot 48% from the field. The average NBA player is 61%. <laughs> within 10 feet, he only allows 44%. The average NBA player is 57. I mean, the, mm. the shooting numbers are just insane. And like I, Norma just said, People change their entire game plans to try and force him off at the rim. They'll use a lot of pick-and-roll action to keep him near the three-point line and look for sags and late cuts, just something just to get him out of the basket because if he's at the basket, you're not getting anything there. Good luck. So, yeah, no, wingspan. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, the, the money part of it at you know 25-1, to 1, I love those odds. The, the only thing you have to worry about is narrative, but... I mean, come on, for that money, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> uh, all right. So that one's going to get competitive. There's been, if you look online, there's been a lot of force towards getting Giannis that award, but 
I don't know. We'll see. You can make that. a lot of arguments. Yeah, you can make a lot of arguments. Just like this award for uh, most improved player. Uh, this one is frankly all over the place. There's two clear favorites, and then there's I think you could make a case for like four more guys after this. So, Bam Adebayo in the Heat is the favorite at minus one twenty-five. Then Brandon Ingram of the Pelicans at plus one fifty. Uh, Luka Doncic at seven to one. Uh, Jason Tatum on the Celtics at fourteen to one. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander and Trey Young are at fifty to one. Devontae Graham on the Hornets at hundred to one. And then Demontis Sabonis and Pascal Siakam are at hundred and fifty to one. So Norm, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, who do you have for this? Yeah, for me, uh, it, it's Luka Doncic. The guy went from hmm. being, uh, you know, a, a rookie last year to now we're talking fringe MVP candidate. And to me, that kind of leap is not something that happens very often, and especially this quickly. Normally you see, you know, like Giannis, he came in and then it was a probably like a two to three year build before he really got to that true MVP level. Whereas Luca, it's one year. And I mean, Kristaps Porzingis is arguably the second best player on that team. He's the other sort of star. And he has the Mavericks like in the playoffs competing and they, they were arguably going to win that division. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I hate to, to say it, but like <laughs> it, 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 it's painful just for those words to come out of my mouth, but they, they were going to win that division. Uh, and they were, and for, to, to me, it's all because of Luca. And from where he was last year to where he was this year, that that's just a huge leap that I don't think many players ever take. Uh, the other one, like I mentioned before, when I was talking with the MVP, is Pascal Siakam. I think he's the other guy for me that 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 same sort of leap from like you know, yes, really good player, but can, can he really lead a team to? Oh, he is leading a team to heights that we thought were not achievable. Very good Brad, point. Who's your, no. your pick here? So I actually have Luca second on my list for this because I like it is actually insane. Come from rookie to being a fridge MVP, it just has to be acknowledged at least at the minimum. Uh, but I truly love Bam Adebayo here. He he came in replacing Hassan Whiteside, who is already a good interior force on defense. You know, very good shot blocker, very good rebounder. Um, I know that he's a little bit smaller in size, but I think his athletic ability kind of makes up for it. And I have some like a really cool thing here. So when he switches on an opponent, opponent. So the, the examples they give here is Giannis, Demarcus Cousins, Kevin Garnett, Draymond Green, Joe Kim Noah, David West are the only players who have matched up with his current assist, steal, and block rates in the same season. So I think it's a very, I think it's like just overall improvement from coming from nothing to being the player that he is now. And I think he's truly helping out that Heat team. And I don't think they'd be in the same position without him right now. It's interesting because um, <clears throat> I think Bam was very underrated the last couple of years. And I think Luka was extremely underrated last year. Because if you look at their individual win totals, they actually weren't that far off from what they were at this year. Luka's was actually a little lower than what I expected. But Bam was, like, consistent. He was, like, the exact same as he was last year. Now, it's not minutes adjusted or anything, but it, it's pretty interesting to see. Like, it didn't really jump like I thought it would. If you're looking for, like, of this list, the guy who made the biggest jump is Trey Young. 
but I can't in my right mind give it to somebody on a you know 19 win team, 20 win team. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Hawks, 20. Oh, uh, you know, like <sighs> the big thing for me, if you're looking at the top two guys of Bam or Ingram, Ingram's stats didn't really change that much. Like I said before we started recording, the biggest thing, his three-point percentage jumped from 33 to 39%. I just think part of that is just better overall spacing and a better team. And- I, I was going to say, yeah, I think that comes from, you know, getting more open looks and getting more, you know, how, how many of those were assisted, whereas last year they were, you know, off the dribble or things like that. Right. They have just have more ball handlers in New Orleans than he ever had in, with the Lakers. So... <sighs> I'm leaning towards Ingram just being a product of system. I mean, the skill's there. He's going to get probably a max contract anyway from the Pelicans, Ugh. but or somebody. Ugh. But Ugh. somebody will. Somebody will. Sorry. You know can, they are. Um, you, can, can someone bring back the Omar Asik contract and uh, talk <laughs> about t- t- when we talk about guys who uh, you know don't deserve <laughs> to be max guys? Can we uh, can we just re- re- bring that up real quick? Oh, I want to be one of those max guys. I'll sit on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. The model citizen is—he wasn't even a max guy. He only made like eight mil. No, Mac, he... the, the guy—the guy you want is uh, like Timofey Mozgov or uh, Bismack Biyombo. Oh. Mozgov is technically yeah. retired oh in the God. NBA. Like they wiped his cap hold off the Magic this year because they thought he couldn't play anymore. He didn't. He went to Russia thinking he still could play. He didn't play a single minute. He's done. Oh. Like, I mean, Jalen Jalen Brown is severely overpaid, in my opinion. That contract that he just got was a four-year, 115 mil. I'm sorry, that's ridiculous. I mean, he's a I third mean, player on that team. He's a third player. He's not even a top two. How do you give a third player on your team 100 mil plus for four years? I would actually argue he's the number two on that team. I think he's really? better. Than mm. I, I think from everything I'm reading on Kemba, it's not sounding Oof. great long term for him. I'm just gonna be uh, honest. Oh. Tatum's okay. the one. We can agree on that. But yeah, Jalen Brown, I think is the number yeah, two. Tatum. Yeah, I, I, I would have Tatum okay. as the two on that team. Tatum is the two. You have Tatum as the two on that team. Uh, or sorry, Tatum is the one. Brown is the two. My. F- okay. I, I oh, okay. So we agree. Oh, we agree. Okay. I was like, wait, you have Kemba's the one. He's been hurt. <laughs> um. Anyway. Anyway, you guys want to pick? So my pick for most improved player. It, this is one where like I really wasn't leaning strong in any direction, but if I had to pick like gun to the head, I would go Bam here. Um. Again, on a 39-win team last year, he averaged 9-7-2. and two. Not exactly, you know, earth-shattering numbers here. But this year, they've already won 41 games in 17 fewer games. Again, Jimmy Butler notwithstanding, you know, they didn't really add anybody else that was that great. Uh, they got a couple good rookies. That's that's. I would say that's pretty important. Yeah, I mean, T- Tyler Hero, a, a guy that, uh, you know... Is at least a serviceable guy that's going to play. Or, or, he's a, at least a rotational guy, and sometimes those are, those are the kind of guys that you need to improve from a a middle class team to a you know a four or five seed. Right, but like they didn't add like another like star caliber player who's going to take his stats away from him. You know, so like he kind of grew into that role because this year he averaged 16, 11, and five. I, I mean, that's a clear, noticeable impact guy even if the wins aren't showing it, that he's putting up the stats. He made an all-star team. I mean, and they're the number four seed in the East when everybody had them as like a, you know, five, six seed, maybe, maybe seven, honestly. So I I think Bam deserves it. It's not the strongest argument or like the strongest group where there's one clear-cut guy. I like the Luka case, but I would almost even argue that (laughs) his MVP odds would even be 
a, he have a better case for that because he's the second best offensive player in the league already. Or the league's best offensive. Last the the problem is, is that uh, there, there's a Giannis guy in the MVP talk. Well, he's not really in the most improved player talk. Listen, listen I said better case. I didn't say he was going to win it. <laughs> Let's make yeah. that very clear here. <laughs> no, but, but you're 100% right. There's definitely a better case there. <laughs> yeah. I, like I said, he's the second best offensive player in the league already in year two. I, I love the dude in the draft, and I'm glad he's being validated. But I was like, wow, Bam's the second best guy in the league? When did that happen? Hell like, no. I would, you know how many guys in the Sixers I would probably take before Bam? Honestly, it's like, you yeah. know, I would probably take at least two, well, obviously two, probably three before Bam. I can't say the same for the Knicks. So. <laughs> <laughs> Bam's your best player right off the dot. <laughs> <laughs> and he would need uh, help. Yeah, but I I love Mitchell Robinson. So, but that's not point of this conversation. <laughs> no, the Knicks weren't invited to the bubble. <laughs> yeah. Not a part of this conversation. Good. Um, Good. They're going to be alive. They'll be alive <laughs> next year. <laughs> Listen, all I want from the Knicks is to validate my pick a couple weeks ago of Lamelo Ball being the number one pick. So I want the Knicks to win the lottery so they pick Lamelo Ball, so I can get that three would, to one I odds. Mean, that would be great. That'd be. I, I mean, I think that would be a great pick for them, but we'll 100%. see. It's the, it's the Knicks we're talking about. They're not going to land in the top five. No, well, I think they have the six best odds, and they're going to yeah. get somebody like, you know. Oh, awful. come on. They'll free some ping pong balls for them. We all know that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want the Warriors to win it just so everybody can be pissed off. <laughs> Honestly. That would be wild. That, that's what I want. That would yeah. be wild. Because they have a seventeen million dollar trade exception, and they would have the number one pick. Imagine the trade possibilities there. I mean, that's just yeah. and Wiggins' contracts. I mean, <laughs> you could oh. trade for anybody. <laughs> hey, hey, somebody traded Wiggins before. It could be done again. I'm just, <laughs> saying. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, no, it definitely will happen again. Wait, listen, everyone in the NBA can be traded. Let's let let's just yeah. be totally yes. honest. Yes. All right. Uh, we got very off topic from most improved to talk about Andrew Wiggins. Oof. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on to actual yep. productive NBA players. And unlike Wiggins, they may not be starting, but these are very high caliber players. And we're talking about the sixth man of the year, AKA the Jamal Crawford award. Well, he's not eligible to win it this year because he hasn't played a game yet. He will now with the Brooklyn Nets, but he's not eligible to win this award. Sorry. So the overwhelming favorite is Dennis Schroeder on the Oklahoma City Thunder, who I will admit I have trashed throughout his NBA career as being terribly overrated and very mediocre, but he actually put in a very, very solid year. After that, you have a pair of Clippers at uh, Montrez Harrell at 5-2, to two, Lou Williams at 8-1, to one, and then the rest really doesn't matter. They're so, such long shots, it really doesn't count. So, uh, Brad, let's start with you. Who's your sixth man? So, okay, so I have, I have four people in mind. I think mm. who should win, who should win, I think it should be Montrez Harrell. But I think it's probably going to either be Dennis Schroeder or Lou Williams. Like, at this point, like, Lou Williams coming off the bench, he's just an immediate impact. He's, what, he's gotten how many six-man-of-the-year awards? Like, three, two, or, three. two or something like that? Yeah, two yeah, or three. Two or yeah. three. Um, and I, was, I feel like that's a safe pick, you know? Like, Lou Williams is the safe pick to, to be here. Um, you can make an argument for Dante DiVincenzo uh, along the side of him maybe being some talks with most improved player, um, just statistician wise. But mm -hmm. I don't think he I don't think he will win most improved player. But it's, you know, he he is someone that who's helped that team 
tremendously. You have another outside shooter, so you don't have to go to Chris Milton every time. Yeah, Giannis is starting to shoot more, but let him let Giannis do whatever he's what he's best at, which is driving to the hole, dominating the paint, or you know, passing the ball to one of your outside shooters because there's a bunch of people on that team who can shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, but but anyways, I I know I'm gonna go with Montrez Harrell as my pick. Um, I feel like the guy out of the last few years, he's just been kind of coming out of the woodworks. He was a really like nobody guy when he got drafted, right? Was he a second round pick? Like later round, it, like later round, or who was that again? Sorry, I so I so down in my own notes. Yeah, he was a uh, <laughs> early, he was an early second round pick. Yeah, uh, by the Rockets, yeah. and they trade him in the Chris Paul deal. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, and like I feel like he 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 should definitely be in the conversation of definitely winning this year. I feel like he's he's improved so much. I've been seeing him more and more in highlights and on TV in general. Um, yeah, you can go off of like stats and stuff. Like in 2018, 2019, he was uh I think he finished third for the six man of the year award. So like he's in, he's like been in the talks for a long time, but I think this is a year that's finally gonna happen. His agent hopes so too, because it's a contract year. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> Get paid, Montrez. That was a bargain deal when he signed it. And that's still crazy. He signed his first deal. But yeah. uh Norm, who's yours? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm probably gonna go kind of chalk here and go go with Schroeder. Uh, what he was able to bring to the table between him and uh, Shea coming over and joining uh, Oklahoma City, I, I think that's something that you, you really saw them sort of uh, work together and, and become something that has been really exciting to watch. Yeah, and like I said, I have been notorious for trashing Schroeder since he's been in the league, and that's been now seven years, I want to say. Uh, <laughs> and listen, he's normally been like a two to three win player. It's nothing special at all. It's like, you know, it's a backup point guard at best. It's like, okay, sure. But he really stepped it up a notch and he tripled his win total from last year, which is insane. Uh, He's averaging 19, four and four Uh, up to shooting in every area was a 41% shooter last year, 47 this year, 34 from three last year, 38 this year. And he was an 82% free throw shooter last year, which is already great. Went up to 84. Uh, he's taking and making more shots right off the bat. And he's really helping out this Oklahoma City team that everybody had dead to rights preseason to the five seed. And this three-guard lineup they like to use because they really don't have a true three. So it's been Chris Paul, Schroeder, and then SGA's kind of their three. So it, it, that lineup has really unlocked something on both ends that really a lot of teams have had a tough time stopping. So it's him, I think, by a wide margin, because I think Trez is great, but Lou Williams took a step down this year as much as he doesn't want to admit it. But yeah, it's Schroeder for me. This is an easy one. Yeah, I mean, I think the other interesting guy that I, I just want to bring up just because I love watching him play is uh, Davis Bertans in mm. In Washington, uh, just someone that comes off the bench, has a role and is, uh, you know, just fulfills that role that that he plays as a as a shooter. Maybe not this year, but I could actually I could see that in the next like couple of years for sure. Like 100 percent. Well, he's 200 to one. So if you want to waste some money, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, so maybe not this year. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, Bertans is a fantastic player. I, I love watching him. Uh Amazing he could still shoot without, like, part of his one finger, but okay. Uh, but, yeah, uh, this list is pretty much a three-man race, and I think the Clippers cancel each other out, so 
We'll see how that goes. This is the one I probably had the most trouble with, and it was uh, Coach of the Year. It's very open. There's not even odds on DraftKings. I had to go on a bunch of sites to find these. So, And the odds have been shifting a ton, too. So it was a totally different story before the league suspended operations in the middle of March for the pandemic. But now the odds, uh, Nick Nurse on the Raptors is leading at minus 1,000. Then you have uh, Mike Budenholzer on the Bucks and Frank Vogel on the Lakers. No shock, the number one seeds at 20 to 1. Uh, Billy Donovan of the Thunder at 33 to 1. Uh, Taylor Jenkins, a lot of you are going, who? Uh, rookie head coach on the Grizzlies, Grizzlies. at 50 to 1. Yep. Uh, Eric Spolster is at 66 to 1. And then if you really want to go down the rabbit hole, Rick Carlisle, the Mavs, Mike Malone of the mm. Nuggets, Nate McMillan of the Pacers, Brad Stevens of the Celtics are all 100 to 1. So, Norm, oh, who is your How's... coach of the year? Um, yeah, I mean, I've been bringing up uh, Toronto a lot, and I'm going to stick with that here, going with Nick Nurse. Uh, just with the expectations and where they finished, I, I think the the Raptors have really been the biggest surprise this year. Uh, he's just that it's a team that a lot of people, when Kawhi left, they left them for dead, and you know. With a lot of, it's basically been just the same team that's there, and they just sort of brought everyone other than Kawhi back, and we're still talking about them as a top five team in the East. And I, I really don't think that's where a lot of people had them at the beginning of the year. My other one, it's got to be Rick Carlisle in Dallas. I mean, you have Luca and. Kristaps Porzingis resurgence a little bit and somehow they're going to win that division. It's really a, an incredible coaching job to me by Rick Carlisle to one, not only see what you have in Luka Doncic, but then to just completely take something that, you know, you have not had for Rick Carlisle. You have not had that sort of player there before. And you had to switch up your entire coaching philosophy and then build it around a player like Luca. To me, that's just an incredible job uh, it, by him to get that team to to where they. Are. I I had a you know th this was definitely tougher because um, you could make the argument for definitely quite a few different coaches. Um, I'm also going to go with Nick Nurse though. Uh, you, you have Kawhi that left. You have Danny Green that left. Pascal Siakam missed more than ten games this year. Kyle Lowry also missed a bunch of games. Sergey Ibaka and Marcus All haven't played since the end of January. Like, they they are playing with Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Terrence Davis coming off the bench. Like, they're, they're playing with, like, basically these no-name guys, and we're talking about, okay, they're in the top five of the East. Um, Mind-blowing to me. I cannot believe that. Like, my, I, so he is my lock, actually, for Coach of the Year. You could also definitely make a case for Mike Budenholzer, just because the Bucks possibly could have won 70 games this year. You know, if there was a full, like, season and everything like that, that – that would have been the team to win 70 games, I think. Um, and I also like Taylor Jenkins. I, like, when was the last time the Grizzlies were good, like, actually relevant in playoff talks? Not before John Moran. Not before some of these other young talents they have, that they have on the Grizzlies. I think he's done such a great job guiding this young Grizzlies team. Um, but those are my three. I still think Nick Nurse is the, is the one, though. Yeah, so I picked out 
because this award is almost undoubtedly tied to over-unders preseason, right? It's whoever exceeds mm-hmm. expectations the most. And we even see it work in college games. Whichever team, like, you know, in the MAC especially, whichever team goes over their projected uh, preseason ranking is going to get coach of the year. It's a lock. Yeah. So if you're looking at it, uh, the Raptors won 46 games before it stopped, and their over-under was 46 and a half. So they were on pace for 59. So they beat that by a ton. Uh, mm-hmm. The Bucks over under was 57. They were on pace to win 67. Pretty good. Uh, the Lakers, their over under yeah, was 51 and a half. Wins. Yeah, the Lakers uh, over under 51 and a half. They were on pace for 64. Uh, the Thunder had the biggest discrepancy. They were their over under was 32. They were on pace to win 51. That's so. That's a guy. I would. Personally, I would lean. That's a good argument you can make there. Yeah, I would lean towards Billy Donovan. Personally, he won't win it, but getting the best out of Chris Paul in what everybody thought, you know, by far done, and now all of a sudden the Knicks want him. Yay! Get out of his contract. I I mean, honestly, you could give a lot of credit to Chris Paul because I don't think he wanted to be there, and he has helped those guards on the team tremendously. Like he improved their game so much, you got to give him so much credit for sticking it out and like. Yeah, this is this is my situation, and he's just, we're gonna run with it. And now look at what they've done as a team; it's very impressive. And on top of that, like they've never had a small forward all season. Like Andre Robertson's mm-hmm. been out for two and a half years; he's coming back now. Like so, they've been using <laughs> they've yeah. been using like shooting guard, like young shooting guards that can't figure it out, like a Terrence Ferguson or a Darius Basley, uh, Luke Dort, an undrafted rookie who won a standard contract this week. He was actually playing very well. Um, and yeah, that was like a big hole in their lineup. And, you know, rather than panic and like put Schroeder in there, he's like, no, we're going to play the lineup that works. And the Dort lineup works. And I like the stability with Gallinari and Adams and they got the rotation settled. Their bench isn't the best, but to get what he got out of that team, when again, they were a 32 win team. I mean, that's not a playoff team, but, they're a middle of the West playoff race team. That's amazing. And Taylor Jenkins, like you had said earlier, I mean, that team is so young, so inexperienced. Yeah. Their their top two analytic players are rookies. I mean, come on, that and no one heard of this this guy, <laughs> even when he got hired. Like no, who? no, literally, he came out of nowhere and he made an immediate impact. I think that's so impressive. Like I, I'm fascinated by that. I I do like the uh, Carlisle case also just because that over-under was 40 and a half and they were projected to win 49. So, and best offensive team in the league by a mile. You've seen the growth in Luka. You've seen a new level of Porzingis where he's fine being the guy behind the curtain a little bit, but when he has to, he'll, he'll show his stuff. You know, it's not often when he, he can show his like vintage New York self again in certain spots. He picks the spots and yeah, I think those are my three, but I would pick Donovan as my pick. He won't win it, but that's my pick personally. Yeah, and I think a lot of times people sort of forget in in coaching that especially when you're looking at the NBA level, a lot of it comes down to managing people. You know, when you're out there and you're playing, you want to be the guy with the ball. You want to be the guy shooting. And there's only one ball. There's five players. You can't always be the one taking the shots. And sometimes as a coach, you need to be able to manage someone like, like we said, like a Kristaps and say, hey, we need you to be, you know, that number two guy 
but we still need you to be able to be at that prime level when we need you to take over the game at certain parts. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say uh, all these coaches, especially uh, I think Spolster deserves to be in the conversation. I think Vogel is actually criminally underrated. All the guys with stars usually get penalized big time, but I mean, we didn't expect the Lakers this good right away with a pretty shallow team, honestly. Yeah, he's a, that's actually been a drama-free team this year, considering. Yeah, no, you have, yeah. that's actually a great point. No, and, that's a great point. I, and by the way, Frank Vogel is from Wildwood, New Jersey, so shout out. <laughs> yes. Wow. Maybe South Jersey represents. Exactly. <laughs> hey, man, by the way, the funniest tweet I've seen in a long time, uh, speaking of Wildwood, because I know both of you have been to Wildwood, so you'll know this. If Wildwood were an NBA player, it would be Tyler Hero. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, speaks for it, it speaks for itself if you know Wildwood, like I do. But, okay. Some people are going to get that joke. Some people aren't. Eh, whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think uh, the, the all-NBA teams, and, and especially the way that they do them now, with the, the big men and the you know, the, the guard spots and what players play, what positions and the way they, they mess around with them. It's almost impossible to try and figure out where people are actually going to go. And yeah, the funniest part. Put like, yeah. Like, yeah. I was going to say, like, they're going to put like three guards in there, one forward and one center. Like, it doesn't even make sense half and, the time. And, and jumping on that point, like, they've given eligibility to like every player at almost every position. So like LeBron's eligible yeah. guard and forward. Like Ben Simmons is guard forward. Like a lot of the bigs are forward center. So it's like, it really doesn't even matter. Just get rid of the positions. Just make it best five guys. Let's move on here. Yeah, I don't see what's so honestly. hard about that. But yeah. but yeah, we could talk about all NBA teams, but eh, nah, I, I slacked <laughs> off and I, I didn't tell these guys to prep one. So <laughs> I'm not going to throw them on the spot here. So, Let's jump into uh, the NBA bubble. Wow, we've only gone 45 minutes. I'm surprised. Uh, let's jump into the NBA bubble here. Uh, I think this is what we've all been waiting for now that baseball's back. We can just, we're like, okay, baseball's back. Yay. And then forget about it for two months. So <laughs> let's, let's, be, let's be honest. A lot of people are going to do that. So <clears throat> the NBA bubble is taking place like the MLS tournament right down the street for me in Wide World of Sports and Walt Disney World in Orlando. Uh, they invited 22 of the 30 teams. If you're wondering, the Warriors, the Cavs, the Timberwolves, the Hawks, the Pistons, Brad's Knicks, the Bulls, and the Hornets were not invited. They were too far gone. They said, bye. We'll see you in December <laughs> for next season. So the other 22 teams, which basically were all the playoff teams and any team within six games of a playoff spot was invited. Now, looking at who opted out of the tournament and who stayed. Maybe that shouldn't have been 22 teams. Maybe it should have been 20 or 18, but whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll take more teams. We'll take more games, whatever. Uh, so everybody's going to play eight regular season games. And I'm putting it in air quotes because they don't want you calling it regular season games. It counts towards the standings, but they want you to call them seeding games. I don't know. I, I have nothing for that. Uh, everybody's staying in three different hotels <laughs> while Disney World's. Uh, and these games also do not count towards awards voting. So like we said before, Zion could go absolutely berserk and help the Pelicans to the playoffs. All the voting for the awards is going to be done by Wednesday. So it won't matter 
in his case. So uh, the different part, the playoffs themselves are going to be exactly the same. Eight seeds per conference, and we go from there. The difference is there will be a playing uh, bracket between the eight and the nine seed. If the nine seeds within four games of the eight seed, there'll be a playing game. If the eight seed wins, the eight seeds in. It's that simple. If the nine seed wins that game and a second game, the nine seed gets in, even if they have a worse record. I know. St- stay with me here. It's bizarre. Uh, the playoffs are going to end at absolutely the latest by October 13th. So we will have NBA basketball ending right when it usually begins. So there you go. Uh, the lottery for the drafts moved back to August 20th. The draft is October 16th. So, yes, you heard that right. The season will end the 13th. The draft's the 16th. There you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it, it sort of sounds like they're trying to gear up for a uh, Christmas Day sort of start for, for the new year. And I, I think it would be exciting to see if that's the new league calendar for them moving forward. Now, how many games are they going to play if they start from Christmas, you think? It, it would be the same thing, but the entire calendar would just sort of be moved back a little bit. Uh, it it seems like that's the direction that that things seem to be heading. Uh, it, I think it definitely would fill a void that's sort of in the sports calendar there and, and would be a nice little niche for uh, the NBA to, to move the schedule that way. Sure, yeah. Merry Christmas. <laughs> so, <laughs> and Happy Hanukkah. Right, uh, <laughs> for you especially, yeah. So right now they keep saying that the season's projected to start December 1st. Most, gener- most people generally believe it's going to start Christmas, but they're using the first for now, so they say, they could say, oh, worst case, we could just delay it till Christmas. That's probably what's going to end up happening. Uh, right now, they the original plan is they will play all 82 games as scheduled to make up the TV money, and they originally said they wanted it to, the season to end with playoffs by August, but the Olympics mm. are in July, so there's a push to kind of condense the season even more to end in like mid-July so they can go right overseas and play the Olympics the week after. So that's their plan now, but who knows how that's going to work out if they even play every game. I wouldn't be shocked if they continue to push it back like even more past uh, like Christmas time because they want to make sure that there's going to be fans in the stadiums at some point, you know? And they're going to want to do that as soon as possible. All these NBA owners are, they're losing millions of dollars in ticket revenues in, you know, food, like beverage, you know, all these sponsors from all these companies, they're losing millions of dollars. All they're making money off of right now is basically TV rights. So mm-hmm. they're going to do whatever they can do to get people in the stands for next season. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing was these eight seeding games, air quotes again, because it's so stupid. Uh, what it does do is it not only allows teams to gear up for the playoff run, because most of them obviously will be in the playoffs, but it allows teams to collect their full money from their TV package because every Mm -hmm. team is required to play 70 games to collect the full money. So all these teams will play after these eight seeding games, every team will at least play 72. So most teams are going to get paid their full TV money. So it works out for almost everybody. I'm sure the NBA is going to kick some in for, the bad teams. And I, we've already heard that they're planning some kind of summer league for the eight bad teams to have like some sort of mini tournament in like the very oh, early fall. <laughs> no, nobody wants to watch that. Nobody, I don't no, even want to watch that. Oh. You're probably right, but it's an opportunity for them to get their TV money. So they're not out of it, but yeah, who knows? Uh, 
the interesting, honestly, the favorites are already pretty well known, but I figured the best thing we could start at is the eight seeds with this new play-in format. So only nine teams got invited in the East because there's a lot of bad teams in the East. And <laughs> 13 got invited from the West, even though a couple of them are out of it too. But who are we to tell them no? So right now the odds are uh, for the eight seed in the East, Brooklyn is the favorite. They are currently the seven seed by half a game, but they are so decimated by people opting out and hurt that most people – and Orlando is actually very healthy right now. They expect them to flip-flop in the standings. Uh, so Brooklyn's the favorite at five, uh, minus 250, Orlando at 2-1. to one. And then if you somehow believe in the Bradley Beal-less Washington Wizards, they're at 21-1 to one at five and a half oh. games back. There you go. How to waste money one on one? Bet on the Wizards, or as uh, Joe House said on the podcast today, the Gizzards because they're the G League Wizards. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh um, most people anticipate there will not be a play in for this, and it'll just be the Magic getting the seven seed and the Nets kind of limping into the eight seed. So, I think you guys would agree, right? Yeah, I, I don't think there's really any more that needs to be said. <laughs> I. I, di- I would be so shocked that the wiz- Wizards are able to make any impact, to be honest with you. Oh, like, 100%. I'll be so shocked. Yeah. Yeah. No Beal, no Bertans, and yeah. no hope. It- it's bad. It- it basically, you're yeah. just going to watch Rui Hachimura, and he wasn't that great this year. Not his fault, but. He, uh, he was okay for a rookie. That's about it. Like, yeah, <laughs> with no other help. Yeah. Uh, in the West, though, is where it gets interesting, and I kind of led to this earlier this pod and two weeks ago was one of my uh, future picks. Uh, so the Grizz, the top seven seeds in the West are pretty much set at this point. So it's really everybody else. So the Grizzlies are the favorite at minus 143. At three to half games back, the Pelicans are at three to one. That's my pick, by the way. We'll get to that. Uh, the Trailblazers, now fully healthy, by the way. They got their whole front court back, finally, for the first time this year. Four to one. The Kings, people forget at the same record as all of them, 11 to 1. Uh, at four games back, uh, the very bad mid range Spurs at 13 to 1. Their streak's about to end, sadly, for the playoffs. Uh, the Suns are then at 60 to 1, <laughs> six games back. I don't, we don't know why they're even here. And if you want to bet on the Mavericks losing every single game and the Grizzlies winning every single game, uh, at 500 to one, the Mavs, there you go. <laughs> so who is your bet to get the eight seed in the West? Norm, let's start with you. Uh, I'm going to go with the newly healthy Portland trailblazers. Mm. I, I think, uh, you know, I, you saw a little bit during that, that scrimmage that they had with, uh, Yosef Nurkic back. They are a completely different team. And, and having him combined with that guard play is something that's really exciting to watch. We saw, whenever they were healthy in past years, how good of a team that they actually were. And, and I think getting a healthy Nurkic back, if he is able to play anything close to the level that he was pre-injury, I, I think they're a team that is going to surprise some people. And that's, that's my pick to you know make a little run here. Yeah, I definitely like the Trailblazers. Um, I don't want to pick them as my eight seed because I just don't think it'd be as fun. I definitely want the Pelicans in there 100%. Um, 
I so JJ Redick. I think I talked about this with you, uh, with Corey actually. That JJ Redick every year he's been in the league, he's been on a playoff team. And when Zion got drafted, he told JJ Redick told Zion, he's like, "This is going to be on you if I don't make the playoffs." Essentially. So now that we have these eight games with the bubble, I don't. I honestly think Zion's gonna he's gonna take another step. He's in amazing shape, like we were saying earlier. Uh, it's I, just, I I'm gonna go with the Pelicans, man. They have a great young team. And on top of that, a very, very easy schedule to close out this break. Uh, they're going to play the uh, very injured Utah Jazz, no Bogdanovich. Then the Clippers, who might not even be interested. Then they play the Grizzlies. Then the Kings. Then the Wizards. Then the Spurs. Then the Kings again. And then the Magic. So, like... Very easy. Yeah. They play so, any of the top guys. Right, so they are in position to maybe even their schedule's so easy to even jump the Grizzlies before the play-in bracket, if possible. And like I said, I like Portland. Remember, they made the conference finals last year. People yeah. always forget that without Nurkic, he was already hurt at that point. Yeah. But they they got Zach Collins back too at the four, so that's why you see Slim Mello now at the three. <laughs> so no, like I, I truly like that. I that is honestly a toying call. Like honestly, you could flip a coin and. I think either one will make the playoffs. But like, honestly, Damian Lillard is so dominant Like wh- during this time in the playoffs. It's going to be tough to actually keep him out specifically. Like, he's just so clutch. You know, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it basically comes down to like, and the Zion lineup once he got back was insane. Yes. I, I, so I would put my eggs in that basket because I didn't know how Nurkic and Collins would look, but they looked really good. Like Norm said, they looked really good uh, yesterday, the day before. Uh, so I would still lean Pelicans because I already kind of made that bet. So <laughs> I kind of have to <laughs> yeah. stick to it, you know. But Stick with it, yeah. Uh, but no, I, I like the Trailblazers too, and then uh, probably the Grizzlies a distant third. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, I, the Grizzlies, just because of the fact that they're ahead like the way that they are, um, with that advantage of having – of being out in front like that. Um, obviously you have to include them in the conversation, but that I, I think talent wise, Portland and, and new Orleans are just, just better. Ugh, I, the Grizzly schedule isn't yeah. doing them any favors though. Uh, Portland, San Antonio, Pelicans, jazz, thunder. And then they end with Raptors, Celtics, bucks. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, the, the thoughts there is, I mean, maybe by the time that they're playing some of those teams, those teams have sort of lost interest. Uh, you know, you know at the end, you know, is is Giannis going to be playing as hard as he is and playing a full, you know, even 35 minutes? At, at that point, they might just be saying, all right, let's just get to the, to, to, to the actual playoff games. Uh, I honestly don't think like those teams that are like that are locks like the Lakers, the Bucks, like you know, like those type of teams. Like I do not think they give a crap about this at all. I think no. they're they're gonna try. They're gonna go like four and four. They're gonna play like minimal minutes with their stars. They're gonna try to get the bench guys going a little bit more, so they all have more rounded teams. I feel like, and honestly, these eight games are gonna be awful. <laughs> they're gonna be really bad <laughs> for the, the for the top. They're, they're gonna be so bad. That you had the fake fans in the background, like they, like you you watch like these these exhibition games and it's just 
Yeah, I don't. And I don't know if it's just the, the the way that the court is or the depth perception. The corners just look tiny. It's it really yeah, feels yes. it feels like really weird. I don't know if that like I said I didn't know if that was just me watching these games that the corners felt really small. Um, but like I'm, I'm just, yeah. I, I feel like every time I watch someone taking a corner three, I feel like they're stepping on like you know the back heels like <laughs> on the out of bounds line. Yeah, it's like. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like I said, maybe it's just an optical illusion, and I'm going crazy. But it, <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not sure about this. This court and the the fans and no. everything. I have to. I, I'm gonna have to see it in a game that actually matters more than these scrimmages. But it's Wait, like something. No, something's definitely off though. And I don't. It, honestly, it could be because they're probably playing on the courts where there's like three in a row. You know what I'm talking about? Like you've seen those photos. Like and they probably really had to like squish them in, so it probably feels like there's no room. But in reality, there probably is. Just the camera angle is so awful. So <laughs> what they originally did was like what you're talking about. Like so they laid everybody's actual courts that they use in their arenas in conference rooms, and that's their <laughs> practice. That's their practice facility. Like so that's yeah. what they've been doing. But what they actually did was they used all three basketball courts in the wide world of sports. And they kind of boxed it off so you don't see the empty seats. So that's why, like, what the Heat did yesterday was they actually had, like, you know, game-used images of their fans, which was yeah, pretty Yeah, cool. I saw that. But, you know, they just don't want something where it's like the MLS. It's just ads. Or, they, or like, uh, you saw it with baseball and you see it in the Premier League. They just have, like, tarps, basically, over all the seats with ads. Just so it doesn't <laughs> – you don't see empty seats and they're actually using it for something, you know? So it's – they're still working out the kinks, but I thought like some parts of it were really so, cool. So Orlando's just going to feel like they're at home when there's no one at the games. They were the road team for the scrimmage. Did you hear that part? <laughs> so they what? got interesting. Like, yeah. So they were technically the road team for the scrimmage against the Clippers and yeah, like and the road team, the Orlando Magic. It's like they're twenty minutes away from their stadium downtown, dude. <laughs> it's like, have like you anybody go home. Uh, yeah, really. They could. <laughs> they were the first team in the bubble. Like, <laughs> it's pretty funny. But like, why don't they just leave them home? Like, that's their the, like they like they're not gonna like just tell them to stay in their house and then just go there and then go back home. <laughs> like, it's but then it's not the bubble, you know. Like Rashawn Holmes, man, he got some Postmates and some chicken wings, and you know he got caught. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. I, I, I mean, I saw that. Uh, to to me, the entire bubble situation with the NBA, I I don't know. It seems like there's there's some issues there. It's like players are just leaving and rejoining the bubble as they almost please, and yeah. uh, you know, you you saw you've seen some of the things like whenever you had the basketball tournament, and it was like if you leave the bubble, you're disqualified from the tournament. And it's like I, I don't know if if the NBA, if the players' union is just too strong that they can't enforce rules like that, and that that's most likely what it is. But I, I feel like something like that. I mean, maybe. The, the players would take it a little bit more seriously. And may, maybe it does take a, a positive test in the bubble from all these people going in and out to, to maybe change some things. And you, you hate to say that, that that would be the thing that would change things. But uh, I mean, you already saw with baseball with, with Soto yesterday uh, testing positive right before the first game. And now it's like, okay, well, was he in contact with anyone who's actually now going to play in this game and now they're playing against another team and all of a sudden you have a wide case spread like that? But, uh, you know, they're, they're calling it the bubble and they're staying in the bubble. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll, see how, we'll, we'll see how it works. You know, it's funny. I, I think maybe it was, maybe it was like, a, like four days ago or something. I saw something on Twitter 
where they were putting up it said NBA barbershop <laughs> like they were yeah. actually taking like 2k like yeah. from the 2k neighborhood <laughs> and making it a reality in the bubble and I'm like wow who paid for this and 2K... why are they doing this just like... <laughs> 2k was literally trending on Twitter just because of that picture it was insane it was, it was like it was a 2k neighborhood literally 2k and 2k neighborhood were trending just because of that one picture of the barbershop <laughs> no, because it's exactly what it looks like in the 2K neighborhood. They went exact. Like, I can't, I cannot believe that. Like, okay, like, they all have their own, like, individual barbers anyway. So, like, is oh, anyone yeah. even going to, like, come on. Well, <laughs> so, so apparently, like, these barbers that they went through were chosen by the players. They had an audition process, and they chose these three. <laughs> That was the word I had heard. Oh so an audition. Oh. It was something like that. Like they what I want to know is what what is in the uh, what is in the barber auditions. <laughs> well, uh, Chris Haynes on uh, Yahoo got his hair cut today, and uh, Damian Lillard <laughs> in a funny comment. I'm sure someone saw it. it was like, oh, look at that fake spray paint on hair. <laughs> but uh, that'd be it's something. Oh, come on, it's not Carlos Boozer oh. level. Nothing can ever match the boozer hair. There's been tons of pods thought about it, but oh man, that's priceless. That's an all timer. Yeah, like, nothing can ever top Like that. you said, like they're auditioning to be LeBron's barber. But like then again, LeBron isn't staying in the bubble. Like <laughs> there was the he, joke. And if he is like if he is, he rented out four buildings for himself. What, was it Norm, was it Austin Rivers who like walked by and he's like, Yeah, see that whole building? That's LeBron's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, it was. I think it was on I saw TikTok that. or IG Live or something like that. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I believe it was Rip, Rip, Rivers and PJ Tucker have just been like, yeah. you know, just going around and, uh, you know, say, saying, uh, ha having things to say about the bubble. No, I was like, and, and like, yeah, no, like, like, sorry, like, to button like that. But it's like, it's interesting because, like, if you follow any of, like, the NBA players on Snapchat, like, ever, like for some reason, I had, like, I don't even remember doing it. I have a Sam Whiteside, like, at, like, I'm subscribed <laughs> to him for whatever reason. And his Snapchats are actually hilarious. But, like, you see him walking around, like, the bubble and everything like that. And all these NBA players are literally walking from one spot to another. And they don't know what to do with themselves except play cornhole and shoot the basketball. Like, mm -hmm. it's... Or play golf. Like, all this... The Sixers have played golf like they. A lot of them had never played golf before. They played three times this week. What do you mean <laughs> they? I, I the, the Sixers. The Sixers are going fishing and throwing fish onto the uh, deck instead of back into the ocean. Oh, uh, too soon. I, I'm not talking. I'm not talking about Ben, but like <laughs> uh, uh, from a season ticket member, Norm. That's disgraceful. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, like so. Thibel's been running a blog like. This whole and he went on Good Morning America for his blog. Like he made Good Morning America for his vlog, wow. vlog, whatever you call it. Yeah, good for him. Uh, but, <laughs> like people know him more for that than like his actual defense or like playing on the Sixers. Like <laughs> it's pretty funny. But like, yeah, like him, Mike Scott, Corkmaz, like are all playing. Josh Richardson are all playing golf every day. It's hilarious. Um, but yeah, so that's a uh, bubble talk. It's been pretty entertaining because. I'm wondering what they're going to do with themselves when it gets knocked down to, like, four teams. That's when you're going to see, like, peak desperation. Like, now, like, most of the leagues there, they can kind of still talk to each other. Like, you know, arrange free agency three years from now. Like, everybody suspects, like, tampering at a new level. But what is <laughs> or, or, you know, like, next year, whenever Kawhi and Paul George <laughs> opt out and the Clippers are left with nothing. And... 
<laughs> it's true. Well, yeah, free agency is going to be stacked in two years. Like, that's why if people thought all 30 teams are going to be in the bubble, that the Warriors were going to get Giannis. And like, hey, Giannis, uh, <laughs> want to join wanna us? Want to come play uh, with us? <laughs> yeah, honestly. Tough to turn that down, honestly. But, yeah, the bubble's going to be uh, interesting. No, I, I see you about to say something. Go ahead. No, I just I just think, uh, you know, a little Paul George Kawhi uh, Giannis super team forming might be uh, quite interesting. Where? Wherever almost, they want to go. <laughs> almost yeah, anywhere. Yeah. Most teams are going to have cap space in two years after next year. So it, it could be anywhere. No, no, they're not going to. I would never um, get that lucky. I, I was about to say, they won't want to go in a city where other stars are, but oh, wait, they already did. <laughs> in LA. <laughs> um, yeah, the bubble is going to be very interesting. I, I, Heat fans on Twitter, before I go into the next part, Heat fans on Twitter are the worst because I keep seeing stuff where it's like, oh, we're getting Giannis and Oladipo next year. It's like, stop it. No, you're not. <laughs> you have to trade literally Oladipo, everybody on your what? team. Yeah, yeah, I don't Dude, know. I don't think that, I, don't, I would highly doubt that the Pacers are going to get rid of him. Like, he's, he's, he's been so agent. good on oh, Yeah, but I mean, I feel like they're going to try to resign. Like, they're going to have to try to resign him. There's no way that they're going to. Probably. Like, just let him. Yeah. Like, and, well, like, well, because if they were going to, like, get rid of him and they knew that, he would have been traded. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, I, think... I get he was hurt the entire year, but yeah. I, I think there's a chance Oladipo. People gets close to the max at this point. Like, especially, I, I mean, Indiana has no other option is the, to fall back on. Yeah, yeah, no, keep... they and they need they need to keep him on that team, and well, he also needs to be on that team because he's not going anywhere in his music career. Oof. Like, <laughs> I don't know if you heard of it. I don't know if you heard his stuff on Spotify, I, I but it's I like have. some it's like some R and B like stroke music. It's, it's the yeah, it's weird. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, listen, he did have a good run on the Mass Singer. <laughs> That's what I was gonna bring up. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna bring that up. Uh... <laughs> oh. Like, there's. I actually... mean, God. I mean, I mean like, don't forget, though, the mass Singer where Rob Gronkowski beat out Lil Wayne in a singing competition. <laughs> that is true. Oh, to, be fair, to be fair, Lil Wayne could use auto-tune, right? Or maybe he could. I don't know. But uh, uh, it's rough. Uh, God. Jeez. Um, all right. I say let, let's just end with this and pick some winners here. How about that? So let's go with the East first. So Bucks. Minus 167, odds on favorite, clearly. Uh, Celtics and Raptors are 7-1. to one. Uh, Heat and Sixers, 9-1. to one. And then, big gap. Uh, Pacers, 33-1. to one. Uh, Nets and Magic, 80-1. to one. And if you are that insane, Wizards at 150-1 to one to win the East. <laughs> Come wow, on I feel that. like that's all very... I feel like it's very generous for the second half, to be honest with you. Like, those numbers? <laughs> yeah. I, that's like... I don't know about yeah. that. That's wow. And this is for oh. NBA championship. Correct? Yeah, can can, no. can I uh can can I get like the one to one fifty on the Wizards not to win the East? <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Brad, this is just to win the East, not even the title. Oh God. I didn't even get to the title odds. Okay. That's, okay, that's well, no, thing. but honestly, that's that's why I think I was shocked about the numbers, because I was like, how are the Wizards? 150. 150. <laughs> how, are that, how is it 150? That makes zero sense to me. Here, I'll find it. Uh, to win like, the title, the Wizards... Oh, the Wizards aren't even the worst. Wow. 
The Wizards are 300 to 1 to win the title. <laughs> oh, so it has to be like the Suns, like, right? Sun, like... Suns, Kings, and Spurs are 500 to 1. God, wow, that's pretty disrespectful <laughs> how, for the for the uh, the Spurs. Yeah, I think, how are the Wizards not the last? Yeah, what? Wow. Okay. That's pretty disrespectful, but <laughs> extremely. Uh, so who do you guys have to win the East? Uh, Bucks I'm, all the way. Yeah, it, it's got to be the Bucks. Okay. Yeah, but Bucks if you were to, way, like I, like if, if, you it, were to if take the Bucks weren't in that position, I'm gonna go with the Sixers. Ooh. Okay. And, yeah. No, I I love. Well, I I mean like. I hate Philly sports, and it's because of this. It's because of the fan base. Like I can talk to, I can talk to you, Corey. But like, very, you're rational. very level-headed when it. Yes. You're very rational. Like, I can't talk to Zach about Philadelphia sports. Yes, so, exactly. That's no, probably leading. Gonna, okay. Give, no, because no, I can give them very high praise. They have Ben Simmons and Embiid, who you can argue like top five duo in the league. You know, easily, easily top five duo. Uh, ben Simmons, six ten. And you have Embiid at seven foot. You have two guys who, you, honestly, you have two guys that can play multiple positions, which is very tough to find. You have you have a point guard and a forward and Ben Simmons. And then you have uh, a center who can also shoot from the outside. You have a great surrounding cast. You have, um, well, yeah, like you have Thibel who's like inexperienced, stuff like that. But like I, if they're injury free, um, I think that would be the one team that could give the Milwaukee Bucks a run for their money. Yeah, I think top to bottom, Philadelphia has the most talent in the East. The question is that that the pieces don't really fit that well together. And I I think this has been the biggest criticism uh, of the team this year and of Brett Brown is that he hasn't really tried to mess with the pieces that much. It's pretty much been the same guys in the starting lineup, you know, unless they've been hurt or missing games or sitting out for whatever reason it's been the same guys in the starting lineup. Like he hasn't been able, he hasn't said, you know, Tobias Harris, come off the bench, you know, be part of that second group. And I think if he did some things like that, it might help some of these spacing issues that they've had and and would really sort of switch up how the team plays. And yeah, of course, whenever you do get at the end of the game, you're going to have Simmons, Embiid, Harris, Horford, and, to to me, I like Thibel in that fifth spot with those guys, uh, but that that's just me personally. I know some other people have liked some other guys to fit in there, but I think going through the course of the game, they end up with some lineups that you're like, what are these guys do? Like, what are these five guys doing out there together? It just makes no sense. the The rotation just seems off. And I would have loved to have seen Brett Brown really mess with some of those rotations and try some different things throughout the year so that now going into the playoffs, you might have some different things that you wouldn't have seen, uh, you know, that you haven't seen so far this year. Well, and the thing is, I'm shocked that they didn't mess around with the lineup a little bit more because, I mean, you're too, well, really, Embiid mostly, he's so injury prone that you have to move all these guys around so we can... So you can all times have at least a good lineup on the on the court where you're not getting obliterated. Like the Knicks would like I, I would watch the Knicks versus Sixers this year. They would dominate the first half and then the Knicks would come back because all the, their top five like starter players all run out of steam because they're tired at the end of the game. And then like when the like it, you just have to mix and match and you have to time out your minutes correctly if you were him. Like you have to cut him beats minutes a little bit because he's always injured. 
And he is a force to be reckoned with in the when you're driving in the paint. And also, he's an outside shooter. You know, it's tough. Like, yeah, I get that there's more centers that are starting to shoot from, the, like, the three and stuff like that. But, I mean, Embiid has been a top player in the league for the last few years now. And, and now you have another guy, Ben Simmons, who shoots. Everyone wants to see him shoot, but he's really just going to shoot the corner three. But he doesn't need to shoot the corner three. You know what I mean? Like... It's going to be very interesting how they actually match up with the Bucks because I, I can honestly, that's probably going to be the Eastern Conference final or the, um, you know. I, I think like they're actually set to meet earlier than that. And it's, it's going to be a very interesting Eastern Conference semi if they meet up there uh, because I think the Sixers actually match up very well against the Bucks specifically. Yes. Uh, the, the issue for the Sixers a lot of times has been Toronto and, and to a certain extent, uh, the Heat, um, even Boston, they've matched up fairly well against this year. I, I believe they're three and one this yeah, year they against kick, Boston. They kick, they kick Boston's um, ass like every game this year. Yeah, it, it's been the Toronto and, and the Heat have sort of been that the team that they've really struggled matching up with, mm-hmm. and, and I think it's a lot of times whenever they put those speedy lineups out there that 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 third guy, whenever you have like Tobias Harris guarding someone like like a Tyler hero. And it's just like Tobias Harris just doesn't have the foot speed to really match up with that. And, and you see them getting burned a lot of times, or you see them getting into switches and Tobias, you know, getting onto like these guards. And it's a, it's been a little bit tough. Um, you see whenever someone like Ben Simmons is on like a Jimmy Butler or Thibel's on a Butler that they've sort of been able to shut him down. Uh, the problem is, is whenever Butler gets those switches, it's a lot of times it's, it, it's a struggle for the Sixers. Yeah, and this kind of leads me to uh, my viewers or my listeners submit a question for the week is uh, from uh, our fellow boy, uh, Denny, who, uh, of course, I used to room with in my grad year and fellow rider alum like the rest of us. Uh, Of course, he's a Sixers fan, so he's saying this a little tongue in cheek, but will Ben make a jumper? (laughs) And my answer is yes, I think he will. Or three more specifically, if you want to, you know break that out a little more yes i think he will i was like if the sixes were smart they would tell him not to shoot to be truly honest with you let like let the other let, let him do what he's good at yeah to me yes. i'm gonna say no and i'm gonna say it doesn't matter yes, this is the I thing it doesn't too. matter whether or not ben simmons can make a three I agree. now no, the it, issue is is that you need to pair him with other players on the court so that the spacing isn't just completely messed up 100%. that's the issue yes 100 percent, and yeah, it was funny because, like, Shake Milton never played until Ben got hurt. And then, like, those last couple games before the league suspended play, you saw him put up 39 against the Clippers and almost come back to win the game himself. <laughs> and, like, Horford didn't come off the bench until basically when everybody was healthy. And then, like, everybody got hurt again. And, oh, you're starting again, Al. So, like, yeah, I think now they're going to start uh, trying to – experiment with lineups and you're going to see it now they've said ben's going to play a little more forward in air quotes yeah he's still i gonna, saw that i saw that he's he's still gonna have the ball like you know it, you, it's a, you it's can't a joke, do but. that like like how you can't say something like that because like if you have a six foot ten guy that could play point guard honestly i'm gonna want him to play point guard because that is a matchup nightmare for whoever the opposing point guard is unless your name is lebron james to be true yeah. or or even like Giannis, Giannis. you know yeah. Now, what I think they need to do is you need to have Ben Simmons running the point on your break. Yeah. 
But once you yes. get into your half-court set, then he sort of shifts to a he more traditional shift. forward role. Yes. I think that's the plan from what Brett Brown made it sound like in his press conference. And <clears throat> the interesting part that this sets up is that Shake Milton is a very good three-point shooter, something that the Sixers don't have a lot of. So it, do, it is something that would unlock their games. And I do think they're going to use a lot more pick and roll during these seeding games and during the playoffs, which should unlock a lot more stuff. And honestly, the biggest thing is Embiid's gotten better and better at executing on post-ups. He's getting more points off per post-up of anybody in the league. I think he has more points for post-ups than I think 27 of the 30 teams in the league. I saw that stat yesterday. Just insane. He's so efficient with it. So like there's a ton of different things they can do now. If you unlock shake and just more pick and rolls is something that Philly has never done historically, and they need to start doing more. But I think with shake shooting, it allows them to do a lot more pick and rolls and a lot more sets and be more creative. But We'll see. I like the Sixers odds. Uh, like I said before, at the time when we did the gambling pod or gambler's paradise with Avery and Cal, the Sixers were mm-hmm. 28, were 28 to one to win the title. And at those odds, I was like, that's a great percentage. I would put a little on that, but now it's at 23 to one. Eh, that's not as great now. It, yeah, it's that's probably bad. closer to where it should be. I agree. Uh, 28 to one was a little low. So I was like, I, I would yeah. put something on that, but 23, eh, maybe not. So, okay. So I think we all agree. The bucks are our favorites to make it out of the East. It's yeah, a- a- absolutely. They're still the favorites <laughs> and you know, yeah. now where it gets interesting is the West where it's basically one of two teams. It's pick your LA team, basically. So the Lakers, the favorite at plus plus one fifty. Uh Clippers are plus one eighty. Then you have the Rockets at seven to one. Interesting. Uh, the Nuggets at 12 to one, the Mavs and the Jazz at 14 to one, the Thunder at 40 to one. That feels low. Uh, Pelicans at 66 to one. 66. Okay. That's a uh, random one. Yeah. yeah, it is. Trailblazers at 80, Grizzlies at 120, Spurs at 180, and Suns and Kings at 250 to one. So I'm sure it's going to be an LA team. So which LA team are you picking? Uh, I'm going to. I mean, I'm going to go with the Clippers here. Uh, I, I just feel like the, the Clippers, we really haven't seen them go all out yet. We haven't seen Kawhi not taking the rest days, and we haven't seen Paul George fully healthy. But I think that when we have seen that team fully put together and fully ready to go, that they're the team that was playing the best. Mm-hmm. Um you know, over the course of a full season, yeah, the Lakers are probably going to come out with a better record. But I think in a head-to-head matchup, which team, when they're playing for one game, is going to come out at top? I think the Clippers are more built for that scenario, especially when you look at the depth. You know, the Lakers, you get onto that bench, and some of those guys, it's it's rough. And the Clippers have a little bit more depth there. When you get Harold, you get Lou Williams. When you get those guys coming in, and now all of a sudden, you know, uh, if the Lakers starters are able to get them out to a lead, all of a sudden, right there, boom, you can get that that game back into a reasonable distance. Or if it's a close game with the starters out there, all of a sudden the Lakers can start to pull ahead whenever those bench guys get in there and – to make their mark on the game. 
Yeah, I mean that's a it's it's definitely a tougher call in the West. It's just so much more competitive. But I'm I'm gonna go with the Lakers. Um, I I really think just LeBron is just gonna will his team like he does almost every year, like just to uh, an opportunity to basically make them win it all for the most part. And I feel like he he's been doing that since he got into the league, and he's played with some players on his team that have been very subpar, and he's made some very good runs with them. So and LeBron's been playing as good as he ever has, maybe at some some points of his game even better than it was in the past. So I think it's going to be tough to beat the Lakers, um, even though the Clippers have a phenomenal team. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like LeBron's become like Brady and the Patriots before he yes. left, you know, where it's like, you can't bet against them. That's like the one guy, like my mm-hmm. dad would always be like, I can't bet against the Patriots. Even when like it was the Eagles get the Super Bowl, he's like, can't bet against the Patriots. You know, it's like it's one of those things. It's like tried and true. It almost never yeah. fails unless it's, you know, like the Warriors or, you know, J.J. Barea. <laughs> but <laughs> but I agree with Norm. I like the Clippers upside. They still haven't really shown it. They've kind of kept, you know, the cards uh, close to the vest a little bit. And I, I just think it's a deeper team as a whole, especially when now adding Reggie, a rejuvenated Reggie Jackson to the guard rotation definitely helps. And obviously Lou Will and. Harrell and I think Joachim Noah adds a little something that they didn't have. It's just like a quality passing big who knows his spots, very intelligent defensively. I mean, I mean Zubac is okay. He's actually been better than what I ever expected him to be, but you know, he's not a full-time primary starting center. But Noah can unlock little things for them here and there and play his role. And like, they just have more shooting off the bench. I just hate a lot of these guys coming off the bench for the Lakers. I mean, not – listen, Philly Cheese was trending on Twitter not because of a cheesesteak, because of Dion Waiters going off in the scrimmage. Like, do you really want to trust Dion Waiters who basically <laughs> greened out on weed gummies on a flight, like, himself? <laughs> I, I mean, come on. Let's, let's be real here. Do you really want to trust him and J.R. Smith in a playoff series? We couldn't trust J.R. Smith in game one to look at the clock. So it's the Clippers for me. <laughs> but for some reason, LeBron, wa- LeBron wants it back on the team. So LeBron does, you know, he gets what he gets. You know what I mean? Uh, well, it's better so than now, I have a very. Oh, yeah. Well, he, I, I think, prime, I think so. what's going to be really interesting is going to be the seeding games uh, to see where the, the three through really the seven spots yeah. come in. And I think some of the way that those matchups come in are really going to determine, you know, because basketball to me, it's a game of matchups and uh, the way that some of these matchups are like, for example, if the Clippers have to roll through, you know, the Rockets and then the Nuggets before even getting to the Lakers where the Lakers are maybe getting, you know, Let's say the Pelicans and the the Thunder or something like that. I, I think you know the Clippers just have more you know potential landmines on the way th- than a team th- than really the Lakers would have. So just going through uh, perspective matchups right now, the Lakers pretty much have the one seed, so they would play obviously whoever wins the eight seed. So we'll say the Pelicans. And then they would play the winner of the 4-5 matchup, which right now is Jazz Thunder. But the Rockets are tied for the fifth seed. So that could go in a bunch of directions. And then they would obviously play the winner of the other side. So at the moment, uh, the Lakers pretty much have the one seed on lock. 
The Clippers are a game and a half up on the two seed on the Nuggets. The Nuggets have one and a half game lead on the Jazz for the three seed. The Jazz are a game up on the four seed, which home court doesn't matter anymore. But still, four seed is, you know, it means a lot when you're playing the Lakers versus the Clippers at this point. Thunder Rockets are tied for five and six. And then the Mavericks are a game and a half back of that in seven. So at this point, they're looking pretty set to be in seven and probably play the Clippers first round, which would be pretty interesting. So, hmm. yeah, it, it'd be interesting. Actually, I have a good question. Okay. I actually have a good question for both of you. We're on the topic of, you know, like finals and stuff like that. Who's winning finals MVP this year? Hmm. That's a tough okay. one, you know, because that, that means you're basically predicting the winner as well as the person who's going to win the MVP, you know? Right. So, like, you know, the obvious answer would be it would be a Giannis, Kawhi, or LeBron. Th- that would be the first thing your mind leads you to. The, the main guy on the top three teams, because those three are by far the leaders in the clubhouse to make it to the finals. And then, you know, further down the list, you get into, like, if you believe in the Rockets, the Hardens, or you believe in the Raptors, it's a Siakam, or <laughs> even, even a Lowry, yeah. you know, like it's like further, way further down. So, or like even, and, and Anthony Davis, somewhere in between that, you know, like a secondary player, even a Middleton. I mean, sure. listen, supplementary guys have won it. Like Iguodala did again, guarding LeBron, even though LeBron's still yeah. off. But so it, it's, <laughs> It's going to come down to, like, if you're going to bet it, it's going to be one of those things where it's like you got to double down and just, like, if you pick the Bucks, you got to pick Giannis. If you pick the Clippers, you yeah. got to pick Kawhi. If you pick uh, the Lakers, you got to pick LeBron. So, it, I don't know. You'd probably I mean, go um, safe. Honestly, but... Like, I, I'm, I would go safe. I would pick LeBron. Like, I think he's winning it this year. But, Norm, I'm curious what you're going to say. Yeah, I, I'm actually thinking, if I'm looking at it and I'm saying, oh, it's going to be a Lakers – Bucks final. I think that's kind of a series where Anthony Davis, his strengths are going to kind of shine there. And, and I think it would be a, an interesting play to go with someone like just say Anthony Davis mm-hmm. and, and just say, all right, LeBron and Co- LeBron and Giannis are sort of going to be just going head to head a lot of times. And you're just not, like, I mean, Anthony Davis is going to be guarded by Brooke Lopez. Um, Brooke Lopez, not exactly known for his defense. Uh, actually, so I think, hey, 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 wait a minute. He was actually really good defensively this year. Don't trash him. He's actually yeah. up for defensive yeah. player of the year. I hope you know that. Like he's actually I, I, really good at strange as it sounds. That's not the point of this. No, I, I, Go ahead. Sorry. I, I still think that Anthony Davis <laughs> would torch him. Oh, and, uh, you know, I, I actually think it would be Anthony Davis might be a, a slightly uh, better pick there for, for a finals MVP. So then, if it is the Bucks and Lakers, then would it, would you say like a Danny Green versus a uh, Chris Middleton? Then like that would be the matchup, right? So... Like what? what like what? Like you know, you have Danny Green who's been in NBA Finals and has won championships before. You know, I feel like that's a very good player on the Lakers if they end up getting it there. That has a shot, you know. So I'm trying to think. So they're starting uh, LeBron. I'm sure Giannis would guard LeBron. Yeah, as weird as it I, sounds. I, would, I mean, so. they'd probably yeah. be throwing or actually guys at LeBron. They'd probably be throwing like Middleton, Middleton at LeBron. They, yeah, you know, with with Giannis for some key possessions here and there. Yeah, uh, I'm sure I, they, Giannis will be switching between him and AD. Both. Just yeah, I mean, the interesting one would be. I, I mean, I think they try and actually, I think they try and hide 
Giannis on Kuzma a little bit to keep Giannis fresh for the offensive end. Yeah. Uh, you have Middleton mostly guarding LeBron, and that sort of leaves like a Malcolm Brogdon to sort of guard the. No, it doesn't, because Brogdon's not on the Bucks anymore. <laughs> it helps if I remember who's actually on Eric what Bled- team. Eric Bledsoe would probably guard the <laughs> yeah. arenas, honestly. Eric Bledsoe would be like that third defender who is also. Yeah, we can like we can just cut out this whole Malcolm Brogdon thing and uh, you <laughs> no, know just I'm, go back to. No, no, no! I'm no, not that part. That's funny. I I, I second guess myself all the time with Brogdon. I I continue to think he's on the Bucks and I forget that he's traded also. So I I understand. Malcolm Brogdon's on the Pacers. <laughs> uh, but no, Eric Bledsoe would be that third defender, and then you could see them bringing in uh, obviously a, a Wes Matthews too. Could, defend for the Bucks. That's why he's there, you know, shooting three, uh, three and D. Um, and then you even have uh, Robin Lopez for just the sake of having a body just for defending. <sighs> I, uh, listen, I didn't say it was great, but like, you know, it's a uh, wait, uh, and we're not talking more about Anthony Davis for MV for finals MVP because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, Robin Lopez. Oh. So, so yeah, the Bucks front court is Giannis, Brooke Lopez, Robin Lopez, Ilyasova, Marvin Williams. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm like, an a, I'm like yeah. an AD more and more and more and more here. <laughs> Ilyasova on Anthony Davis. Oh, Ilyasova would never be a guarding massacre. No, they would, he'd be guarding Dwight Howard or Javale McGee or not even. He'd be guarding yeah, like uh, I think Dwight. Rondo. Ilya Silva be guarding Rondo because he's useless. Rondo is terrible. Dude, oh, dude, I think Dwight Howard would dominate Ilya Silva. Oh, 100%, 100%. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're like, gonna like, pretty be close. Like, that's what I'm saying. They're going to hide. And as we now make the case for Dwight Howard for finals MVP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this like. did amazing off the bench. <laughs> Ilya Silva's going to be on, like, Rondo or, like, Quinn Cook or, like, Jared Dudley. Just stand there and don't do shit. <laughs> That's what he's always going to do. Just stand there and don't mess up. Like, Jared Dudley, like, came into the team here. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm that third player on the team this year. Like, Shut up. You're, you're no. such a clown. You're, like, he's such yeah. a clown. I don't, obviously, he was joking, but he's oh, yeah. clowning everyone. He is like, a clown. No, nobody likes Jared Dudley. Uh, all right. So... <laughs> So I think majority agrees it'll be Bucks and then sorry Brad but two out of three of us say Clippers. So well we'll That's go through fine. both. We'll go through both actually. So Bucks Lakers who do you have? If it's what Brad says, are, it's a Bucks Lakers series final. Yes. Are, to are me, I, I think I think first. it's the Lakers win and and I think it's like I said I think it's a lot because like what we talked about where that front line you know, Anthony Davis and even Dwight Howard coming off the bench and providing, you know, some spark minutes there. I just don't see anyone really on the Bucks that's going to be stopping that. And and that's why I think the Lakers would take that matchup. Like you got a two-headed monster on that Lakers team. Like Anthony Davis is incredible. LeBron is incredible. And you're like you don't know what to do when you have two players that you can honestly you could put in the conversation that have MVP like in quote years, like year in and year out, as long as they're healthy, you know what I mean. That's yeah. a that's a tough thing to match up against on a weak Eastern Conference in general because they don't play against these two headed monsters all the time. Because no. honestly, there's really not there's really like one or two in the East. So 
you know, that's it's tough. It's fair. It's fair. Yeah, they only play like obviously the Bucks have played each of them twice a year, so that, you know they don't see them that much. But um, yeah, it would just come down to like, do you like the Bucks system or do you like the overall caliber of talent on either LA team? So in that situation, I would probably lean. Man, yeah, it's all about. I know you want to be different. <laughs> you know, know I'm an analytic. You know I'm an. You know, know I'm an analytic guy, and the Bucks are close to my heart here. Uh, I, I know you want to, but like you just have to Bucks really think about it. Like Buc- it's Bucks at seven. It's Pissed off all the LeBron's fan. LeBron fans. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Bucks that's, Clippers. That's fun. Bucks Clippers. I got Clippers in six. Yeah, I think Clippers in six sounds 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 yeah. nice. I I honestly I like the Bucks in that matchup way more, but like honestly, like, you you have to really just watch because it's gonna be a different it's gonna be a different environment that we've never seen before. So like it's very interesting. Like you know, okay, who goes to less games like when they're at home? Like I, for both sold out for the most part. So like it's really just it's gonna be quiet, and I, they're gonna really hear everything on the court. And I think it's going to be a distraction for a, a lot of players. And it's it's just going to be I, – I don't know. I just feel like the Bucks will be somehow muster up something against that tough Clippers defensive team. Like, so you're saying that C.J. McCollum's experience at Lehigh, uh, you know, <laughs> is what's going to, you know, propel the, t- the, the Trailblazers. And no, 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 because, because if you remember, McCollum beat Duke – a very yes. good Duke team, yes. and that yeah. game was a hundred percent sold out. So <laughs> I don't know <laughs> that one game of his like hundred twenty in his that, career. Yeah, <laughs> that one game. <laughs> Listen, exactly. The one, the, point, one exactly. Of, the one part of this bubble thing without fans that it hurts is a team like the Sixers, who had an historical split of phenomenal at home. God awful on the road. I don't know what strip clubs they hit on yeah. the road or whatever they did or what parties they went out to, but man, <laughs> they looked like crap on the road. I don't know what they were doing. Yeah, well, but, maybe now that they're in the bubble and they don't have as many outside distractions, uh, maybe maybe they'll be able to figure out the whole road worries. Now, now I did want to bring this up earlier because, like, I'm sure we brought this up with food, but like, you know, the whole topic of side chicks has been brought up, like. How are people oh. getting these side chicks in here? How is this happening? Yeah, yeah, it was Donovan Mitchell. I forgot who called him out though. It was, it was like, it was like, wow. Like, I th- oh wait, no. Oh, it was, it was like, oh my god, you're. A... Oh it's wait a so, minute, it's someone really funny. It was oh. like, oh, like, oh, it's like, one model. Yes, doing? yes, I know who yeah. you're talking and, about. And then, well, damn it. But then, like, the girl tweeted that, like, oh my god, guys, I got invited to the bubble. We're, coronavirus is never leaving. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, never, it's never leaving. <laughs> Well, like the person that hurts is like, you know, legendary strip club Hall of Famer and Norma's his jersey behind him. But uh, James Harden, like, what's he supposed to do? <laughs> play cornhole. I say play cornhole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that satisfies the need for size. Maybe, yeah. maybe this is what it takes. This is what it takes for, for Harden to lead the Rockets to a title is all of a sudden no distractions. He's just in the bubble on his own. He just goes through, take, takes out – the Rockets come through, take out everyone, and, uh, you know, there is no asterisk at all next to this title. <laughs> Listen, there, there won't be an asterisk oh. next to any of these titles. Because, like, somebody brought it up. Like, the last time there was a shortened season was the Spurs when they won it in 99. 
Leaf. And uh, you're really gonna make Brad relive this? Uh, I mean, I, like, I could say I was a Knicks fan back then, but like, I was four years old during that. I I don't remember it. Like, come on, like Latrell Sprewell was on the team. Woo! Patrick Ewing was coming. He was Patrick Ewing was at the end of his career. Like, I really want to talk about the '99 Knicks where yeah. they lose. <laughs> that was the last bit of joy you had. Well. A little bit in like uh, 12, 12 when they won the one. I mean, series. we can we can go back to the '94 Knicks whenever uh, you know oh, whenever the Rockets beat them and and uh, <laughs> you know I had I had I had one good I had one good sports memory in my life. You know, we can, we can go back to that one. <laughs> that, that's a that's a horrible. I have no good basketball memories, so don't even like like okay like they won once maybe in 2012 like a little bit. But then I get my heart broken. So. You don't you 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 don't you have insanity. Come on. Yeah. You have oh, Andrea Bonyardi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that was the worst thing that could have happened to the next you, you have when people thought Daniel Lee was a good player. David Lee. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't bad Dave. on the Knicks. No, he wasn't bad. No, he wasn't bad. D- David Lee yeah, was not David bad. Yeah, David Lee. Knicks. All right, okay, sorry. Like, oh, it's 07 I mean, Stephon. Uh, sorry, well, yeah, Stephon Marbury. He wasn't that bad to watch, and I loved wow. watching Nate Robinson on the team. Like, you, it's like fun watching like a little tiny dude dunk on people, and like, and I say little tiny dude compared to the rest of the team because I'm also his. Like, he's probably like my height, maybe an inch taller than me, but it's like absurd he's what he's able to do. He's shorter. Yeah. He's sure. He's shorter. Really? Maybe shorter than us. Yeah. Oh, maybe. I don't know. E- either way, like, he's a person he's that boxing. I can I have an eye to eye conversation with. That doesn't matter. And- and but now he's celebrity boxing, he opening up for Mike Tyson. So, eh. all right. Uh, any last thoughts on the NBA bubble? Because this kind of went as off topic as I thought it would. So that's kind of that's kind of how well, I wanted it anyway. Because, there's nothing there was nothing well, to talk about other than well, it's going to be the Bucks and an LA team. It's such a ridiculous thing, but like it's the only thing they can really do for us to have an NBA season. But it, like it's just fun to kind of make fun of. So like you oh, know. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that the, you know, the players and teams have also done a, a good enough job at making it a, a joke that uh, I think the only proper way to end this is to just say, hashtag 2K Barbershop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't even. Uh, all right, guys, this has been another absolute pleasure. And uh, I look forward to uh, hearing from you guys as we continue on through the bubble and the playoffs. Thank you for having me. Yep. Once again. Sounds good. Thanks to all of you for listening. Be sure to follow the Corey Andrews podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify, and rate and review. Just a quick note, no midweek episode this week because fantasy leagues are back and work is starting to get busy for me. Also, not sure what I'm doing yet for next week's episode, so let me know if you have any suggestions or what you want to hear on next week's episode of the Corey Andrews Podcast.